Hi, welcome to The Apologist Bookshelf. Gary Zacharias here. I've got a book by Doug Powell I wanted to share with you. He's got a MA in a Christian Apologetics from Biola. What makes uh, Doug so interesting is he's got, of course, a love of apologetics, but he's got professional skills in graphic design and music. And so he does some amazing videos and all. In fact, Rolling Stone magazine said Powell makes music that's larger than life. And you can visit him at uh, DougPowell.com. His book that I want to share with you is Holman Quick Source Guide to Christian Apologetics. Now, I know it's a mouthful, but Holman Quick Source makes several different kinds of books. This one is a guide to Christian apologetics, and it's uh, subtitled A Clear and Complete Overview. And it covers all sorts of uh, great chapters. I mean, this is a real thorough book. Things like, does God exist? Uh, which God exists? I think that's a great question. Once you get a God, now what? Where did the New Testament come from? Is the New Testament reliable? What about the Old Testament? Do miracles happen? What about prophecy, the resurrection? Did Jesus claim to be the, the only way to heaven? Is he really God? How can God allow evil? So it's got some terrific uh, points to be made. I would say the only thing about this book, it's, it's beautiful. It's rich to look at. It's got some wonderful illustrations and pictures and um, oh, just uh, you know, wonderful things to look at. The catch is it's an odd size. It's maybe five inches by about nine or nine and a half, which sounds fine. But you try to open the book up, and it's really hard to keep it open. It wants to shut fast. Uh, really slick-looking paper, great, great feel to the book. So uh, don't let that discourage you, but I'm just telling you it, it is a bit of a, an odd shape, and you have to work pretty hard to keep the pages open. I wanted to do Chapter 10. Uh, share that with you today. It's called, What About Prophecy? So it's looking in the Old Testament, and he makes some good opening comments. He said, you know, prophets are not these uh, strange people sitting around with crystal balls trying to you know, glimpse events not yet uh, coming to pass. A prophet, according to the Bible, it was just somebody that spoke a message from God. So they actually spoke the very words of God. Well, sometimes this was good, but sometimes it was bad. So uh, these, whatever they were, the, the message the prophet had was called a prophecy. So they didn't all talk about future events. But I wanted to share with you, because I'm going to go to that part of the chapter that I like a lot. It says, actually, there are occasions in the Bible where prophecy does take the form of some future events that are foretold. And they're given so far ahead for their fulfillment that they couldn't have been done during the lifetime of that prophet. And so that's what I wanted to focus on today. Let's take a look at some of the sample uh, prophecies. I'm going to do maybe three. This is just the Old Testament. If I have time, I might take a look at the New Testament for a minute. But here's the Old Testament. Let's take uh, Ezekiel 26, 3 to 14, and verse 21. And this is uh, Doug using an example of prophecy fulfilled there. This is uh, dealing with a city called Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And he quotes from it. I won't do all the verses, but God says to Tyre, I'm against you. I'll raise up many nations against you. And it says, they will destroy the walls and demolish her towers. I'll scrape the soil from her and turn her into a bare rock. Now, that's kind of different. She will become a place in the sea to spread nets. And her villages on the mainland will be slaughtered by the sword. Now, notice they said her villages on the mainland because there were two parts to Tyre, which is important to the story. Uh, God says, I will bring about the king of Babylon against Tyre. He will slaughter your villages on the mainland with a sword. He will set up siege works against you and build up a ramp. 
Uh, later on, your walls will be torn down. They will throw your stones, timber, and soil into the water. I think that's interesting. It says, I will turn you into a bare rock. You will be a paste, uh, place to spread nets. You will never be rebuilt. Okay, well, let's see what happened to Tyre then. So Ezekiel, uh, Doug wants to set this into a time frame. So Ezekiel ministers roughly 593 B.C., right after the Babylonian captivity began, continues to around 571 B.C. Uh, Tyre, now, at the time of Ezekiel, as I mentioned, existed in two parts. One was on the coast, that'd be Lebanon today, and the other was an island about a half a mile offshore. So Nebuchadnezzar shows up, he's on a campaign to conquer the region, and uh, says the people of Tyre resisted Nebuchadnezzar, and that siege lasted a long time, it finally fell. And after 13 years, the soldiers came barging into the city, and most of the treasure was gone. It had been smuggled out to that island city. Well, that fall of mainland Tyre fulfilled prophecies of some of those verses that I read to you. Years and years later, something like 250 years later, 332 B.C., long after Ezekiel was gone, Alexander the Great wanted to defeat the island part of Tyre. And this is a part that I think is fascinating. So he realized he was going to have a hard time taking the city by sea, but he thought, ah, maybe he could link the island to the mainland. So he saw the debris of the old city just lying around where it fell, and the island and the mainland were separated by water. It was really no more than around 20 feet deep. So these Greeks used the debris to build a causeway all the way out to that island. Well, that fulfilled the prophecies of part of that uh, Ezekiel section I read to you, and the clearing away of the debris did create a flat place that fishermen apparently still use to this day to dry their nets. Well, that fulfilled some more of the prophecy. So uh, all these invaders that came and went, that's also prophesied. And there is a tiny fishing village on the spot of ancient Tyre, but that great city has never been rebuilt, which is exactly what uh, was fulfilled in the prophecy in verse 14. So interesting uh, prophecy there. Now I said, uh, even if the prophecies uh, would have been done around Alexander's time, it says the city that was prospering when Ezekiel wrote this never got rebuilt. He says he finds that to be the most fascinating of all the prophecies. Let's go to a second prophecy, the kingdom of Edom. Now, if you saw one of the Indiana Jones movies, you remember uh, they uh, went riding through this desert area and came across a town that looked constructed right into the walls of sandstone. Okay, well, let's, let's see what's going on here. This is Jeremiah 49, verses 17 to 18. Edom will become a desolation. Everyone who passes by her will be horrified and scoffed because of all her wounds. As when Sodom and Gomorrah were overthrown along with their neighbors, says the Lord, no one will live there. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, Edom was a kingdom that was south of the Dead Sea, and its capital was called Petra. And it used to be on a huge trade route and just people pouring you know, in and out all the time. And the main entrance is through a really narrow cleft in cliffs. And that's what you saw in the Indiana Jones movie. And it says the buildings, some were hewn right into the face of the sandstone cliffs. Well, finally, the Muslims in 636 gained control of the area. Edom was already starting to decline because the Romans had been there and, and changed routes and there was a huge earthquake. And by the time the Crusaders came, uh, in their time period, around 1200s, they found Petra was pretty desolate. 
And in fact, it kind of got lost, and people didn't really know much about it. And it says the area is desolate and uninhabited to this day, which, of course, fulfills part of that uh, prophecy. And Jeremiah was not the only one that prophesied. Isaiah made similar prophecies. So that's a second fascinating one. Here's the third one. It has to do with Alexander the Great. And this comes from Daniel 11, verses 2 to 4. So Doug Powell talks about this one. It says, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth will be richer than the others. He's going to stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. Then a warrior king will arise. He'll rule a vast realm. And then in verse 4, but as soon as he's established, his kingdom will be broken up and divided, but not to his descendants. It will not be the same kingdom he ruled because his kingdom will be uprooted and go to others. So what was Daniel talking about? Well, he was writing toward the end of the 6th century B.C., about 200 years before Alexander the Great was born in 356. So Alexander comes to the throne about the age of 20, and he's now going to swear vengeance against Persia because they tried to invade a century earlier into the Greek world. So he vanquishes Persia, conquers most of the Mediterranean world. If you've ever seen a map of what he conquered, it's amazing. He got clear over near, well, into India. So it was a vast empire, which, of course, fulfills part of the prophecy there. And then he dies suddenly. So now what? Well, he's got no heir, so the empire is divided among his generals. And it's exactly uh, fulfilling part of Daniel's prophecy as well. That said, it couldn't have been written back into Daniel because the Jewish scriptures had closed over a hundred years before the death of before the death of Alexander, and the text was firmly established. So there are no alternative versions of Daniel that have a different chapter eleven. So those are some of the most interesting prophecies in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Again, I think I, I don't have a lot of time on this, but Josh McDowell made a study of the major prophecies, talking about the Messiah coming, and he numbers them at 61. And so uh, Messiah had to fulfill all sorts of things that the Jews would have known. So when Jesus comes along, it's not the case of people just fell for his good words. They knew his lineage, and they knew all sorts of details. You know, For example, had to come through Isaac had to come through Jacob, Isaac's son, had to come through Judah, one of Jacob's sons, and so on. Of course, eventually the line of David, and then you'd get the Messiah. So he focuses just briefly on eight pieces of prophecy here. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That's in Micah 5. Messiah would be preceded by a messenger. That's Malachi 3. Messiah would come to Jerusalem riding on a colt. That's in Zechariah 9, 9. The Messiah would be betrayed by a friend, Zechariah 13. He'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, actually numbered. That's in Zechariah 11. The betrayer would try to return the pieces of silver, but they'd be refused, and then he'd throw them on the floor of the temple. That's Zechariah 11. The Messiah would not speak in his own defense when he was put on trial. That's Isaiah 53. And his hands and feet would be pierced, Psalm 22. So if you look at all of those things and you see what Jesus went through, a few of them he could probably manipulate, but not all of those. And that's just eight pieces of proof there. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. And, of course, people try to figure out the odds of this happening. It's just incredible. He, the Messiah could not contrive his place of birth or his time of his birth or what, who his ancestors were or actions of others like a betrayer or the manner of death. He couldn't do those things. And so um, Jesus is the fulfillment 
And then he ends up in this chapter doing Daniel's 70 weeks. And I think I'll leave it at that point. But if you have a chance, take a look at Daniel 9, 24 to 27. And uh, see what you find out about there has to be a decree. And then so many years after the, the decree, the Messiah will come. And it seems to work out to be Jesus. So the Old Testament has all sorts of things that seem to point to Jesus Christ. So no wonder early Jews were willing to follow this man and to die for him. Well, that's just part of this book, excellent book. And once again, the only thing about it is just trying to keep it open. Just the size is a little bit odd, but it is a rich book to look at. The illustrations, the pictures, the diagrams, just a super job. Doug Powell is an amazing individual. He's written some other interesting books for kids as well as adults. And uh, so I'd, I'd challenge you to take a look at it if you have a chance. Well, thanks again, and uh, let's do another podcast soon.